The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman grew up in an Italian family who was often in America and in Italy. She came to love art, history, and culture. Her childhood was spent in private schools, and she describes her growing up years as being loving, but with complications. Anxiety was often present, and she was always trying to be a part of things. Being an actress caught her attention, but what really energized her was the art of producing and directing. Today, she is on a path toward greatness as a successful producer and director in Los Angeles. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Alaria DiPlano. Hi, Alaria. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Annette, for having me on World's Greatest Woman. Um, what an honor it is. Well, and, and at such a young age, you have already many nuggets of wisdom that I want to share. So let's get to uncovering these. So as a producer and director, you are in a heavily male-dominated space. So how do you navigate this successfully? Well, something I've learned um, is that obviously you're going to have to work with difficult personalities and sometimes the opposite gender. What's really important is listening, tuning in, and also adapting to your environment, knowing that you're capable of a lot more than what you've ever even imagined for yourself. And one thing that I do a lot of the time is I surround myself with really powerful, smart women who are creative in ways that maybe I'm not. And I've worked with men for most of my my career, actually. And it's something that I find to be really interesting. And I've, I've actually studied the psychology of men and women through the time. And I've studied famous females in art and in advertising and filmmaking and how they've kind of actually circumvented this whole gender thing. Um, and what I realize is really, it's just about being out there and doing what you do and doing it right. You know, always being on time, always being focused and motivated, making absolutely no excuse for anyone to put you down um, and say that you're not worthy, right? And if you do you and you do you well, and you appreciate who you are, and you love yourself, it's like people are going to see that. And people are going to want to work with you. And one thing in LA that is very apparent is you could be someone with a zillion followers and have done a million things. But if you're a horrible person, if you're not charismatic, if you're not capable of socializing and having a conversation and being present too, you're not going to keep getting hired. So that's, that's a really important um, part of it. But how I navigate working with men is honestly getting to know them, getting to hear them and understanding what their fears are. Because a lot of the times where men and women, I feel like have a problem is it's because of the ego. It's about insecurities. And a lot of times it's having to prove oneself. It's projecting one's insecurities on others. And that's what I find with men. It is it's a thing of pride. And so how you kind of navigate that, circumvent that is, you know, you can be assertive, you can be confident, but you don't have to be cocky. You can listen and take in other people's opinions and show them that, okay, I actually am listening to you. I'm caring about your opinion. I'm going to implement some of these changes, but I'm not going to give you everything. You know, just because someone thinks that something should be done in a different way doesn't mean that you have to fault. That's something that's really important. You just have to show them why your way is better. (laughs) 
And so that's just also something. And what I like to do is I like to back up a lot of the times when I go into a pitch or to an interview, I like to back up my facts with numbers. That sometimes works really well with men. And I think that is just something that quantifying things is easier to understand with men. A lot of the times women are told, you know, we're too emotional, we're too expressive, we have mood swings, whatever. But we can use that to our advantage and mix our ability to be these creatures that are so profound emotionally and and we, you know, overthink and stuff, but use it to our advantage to really set out a path that mixes both the fact and the feeling. And I think that's something that I like to do. And I like to do that also in aesthetics. And that's where I kind of strive, I think, is that sometimes, you know, a guy will see something and they'll say, oh, why does color have to be involved? Like, why does that even matter? And I said, just wait, just watch something, you know, and I'll show them a difference. And then they'll see, okay, that was actually more inviting. That was actually softer. That was more enjoyable to watch. I saw, you know, I saw what you were doing. And so that's something that I also, I I like to do is kind of mix what people kind of consider to be female and male, you know, characteristics. I do that a lot. I mix those. And I think that kind of shows you all of humanity because you're both male and and female, you know, energies. Something you said that I thought was really uh, very brilliant is that this female characteristics of being emotional and passionate. There's a lot of power in showing up passionate about something. And it does catch people's attention if you're passionate the right way. Now, you can't go in as an angry, passionate person. But if you go in as someone that is enthused about something and, and you truly feel it down deep inside, it's hard to ignore that. It really is. So I'm going to go to the next question. When, when a woman goes into a sensory overload, especially these creative types, which you're certainly one of those. And, you know, there is a driving need to express yourself when you're a creative type. I've seen it in other women as well. Can that be a dangerous place for a woman? Can she take herself into a place of sensory overload where it's harmful? I think that it's the way that you deal with the sensory overload, right? For me, it's all about creating. Um, through, you know, styling, through creative direction, through directing, I take everything that I absorb and I kind of output. And that's really important for me. But when I did go through that trying time, you know, I was in several strange relationships, friendships that were just not working for me. It was very toxic. Um, you know, I had a relationship with a man that was not at all supportive um, or kind or um, working to my benefit to grow who I was or to even have security confidence in myself. I had self-sabotaged a lot, you know, and I think that for me, creativity, intellectual stimulation, and then also very important meditation, the healing of the body, the soul, those three things had to work together in order to get me to the place that I am today. I have to have creative stimulation. I have to have intellectual stimulation. I have to be physically balanced. And that's super important. And so I do think there's a place where sometimes we can absorb so much and we can be so overly stimulated where our brains kind of are firing off in all different directions, quite literally, and we're having everything light up. And that's okay. You can hone it in. You can use that to your benefit. But I think it's it's what you do with that. It's, you know, how do I take this and start controlling it? How do I take this and start honing in and focalizing? I worked really hard to take 
the yin, the yang, because we all know that dark and lightness, you know, we need both. We need weight. We need lightness in order to appreciate it. Right. So I think I took all of that and I realized how I can use it to be compassionate. I can use it to be sympathetic. I can use it to tell the story of the human condition in my commercials, in my advertisements. I see, you know, a product and I I want to ask the question, why do people need this? Why do people want to use this? What makes it special? How is it going to make you feel? You know, what do you want to feel? And that's kind of then I take everything that I know, bad and good of this world, bad and good of my experiences, you know, and I make a story out of it. That is a way that you can harness all that creativity by using those pillars that you've mentioned. For you, you create a story. For a dancer, it may be creating a choreography, a dance. So whatever it is. And so for those listening that are the creative types, and when you get into this sensory overload as often you do, then based on your experience and wisdom is you channel it into a story. I also want to say one thing about that, because I think too oftentimes artists, creative types, sensitive types, we think that we have to be in a place of darkness to create. I think oftentimes people have this idea of, okay, they hear all the stories, you know, you, you listen to all these famous artists. I mean, any, you know, Fudicalo, Marina Abramovich, um, Louise Bourgeoisie, um, you know, and Yayoi Kusama and, you know, all these people, Barbara Kruger, Carol Walken, and you, they all have very intense stories. They all have very intense lives and everything, but they've actually been able to, even through it all, unlike some of the male heroes of the art world, you know, who have unfortunately died very painful deaths and whatever, um, through, you know, even though they've had addictions, traumatic uh, relationships with families or um, relationships, they've been able to create um, and continue to create without having to stay in those dark places. Um, you know, and I really respect that. And I really understand the importance of that because to think that you can only create when you are in a dark place forces you in a situation where you are constantly making yourself feel pain. You're constantly victim. Mm. And the one thing that is so fights, it, it goes against everything. And I always, I kind of preach it is do not play the victim. There's no need for it. Um, you know, I, I think that telling your story to others and sharing about that, that's really important. And that's something that I started figuring out recently, you know, only about six, seven years ago that I could be very joyous when I work. I could be Zen. I could be present. Um, I had a flow and that was okay. And that things that were good could keep and could continue going. And so that's something that I really like to um, expand upon when I'm talking and mentoring girls and everything like that, that just because you feel intensely, right? You feel intensely when you're in a dark moment. That doesn't mean that you can't feel the intense opposite, which is joy, which is happiness from something. to the next question. So you mentioned this dark period. I'm going to stay in that space for a second. So during your dark period, you told me during a previous conversation that men became your support system. Yet today, as you build your company, you also shared with me that you're making it a focus 
to staff quite a few female creatives. So why did you move from men being your only source of support? I think that when you're young and you go to an all-girl private school um, and you grow up where, you know, you see the movies and all these interactions with guys and they're not real to you except for the one, you know, I have a brother and I had, you know, lots of male friends back in Italy, but my constant who was surrounding me was women. And that was wonderful. But at the same time, I think your teenagers, you kind of, you go boy crazy and you think that the way to earn validation, the way to get these affirmations is, okay, will boys find me? Uh, you know, will they find me amazing? Will they find, they, will they want to love me? You think that that's like the end goal that, you know, having the husband, the kids, the house is kind of, that's your path. And then you realize, okay, no, there's so many more paths that you can choose from. But I think the mistakes that I made, which I'm happy I made because I've learned from it so much was depending on validating myself um, through men. And that was something that I think a lot of women do. Um, And it was funny because I never considered myself someone like that because I always thought I was very independent. I was creative. I was eccentric. I was kind of different, you know, and how, how could I care about what some guy says about me, you know, and it's because we're human. We are sensitive. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are and what you've done. You still feel that you want that validation. But what I realized was, is that is not something I can control. And something that I can't control is how people are going to feel about me, right? And I realized that through my approach with befriending and being around what I want to be, being around who I want to be, you know, and being around other women who think and have the same goals and values and are headed in the same direction as me was really important. But also, just because people haven't had the opportunities doesn't mean that they're not going to be great. And so that's something that I look for, um, especially in my network of creatives, um, in hiring women, in mentoring women, is they might not have had all of the wonderful you know, opportunities of some other people, but that doesn't mean that they don't have this potential, this hunger, if not even more so, to create and to find this freedom through creation. And so therefore, it's really important for me to work with when I style, um, when I direct, when I creative direct, when I put my teams together, be it the makeup artist, the hairstylist, you know, the producer, the camera person, the AC, the DP, Um, all of these people, the choreographer, I want women there. I want women everywhere. And I think it, it puts it into such a different perspective, right? It shifts the perspective completely. And something that I do and I strive for is I work with a lot of ecological, sustainable and minority owned and women business owned brands. So I'm all about supporting and promoting them, especially, you know. So, and I think that's that's beautiful, and I hope that brings an awareness to those listening that we as women do need to make sure that we are supporting each other in the business world, as in the, even in the personal front as well. So, we talked a little bit about identity when we had a previous conversation, and to be your own person and not be identified as someone's wife or daughter or, or whatever, it requires a conscious decision. My question to you, Alana, is: Are you your own person today? Yes, I am. I'm very much my own person with a lot of hard work um, and many years of therapizing myself. (laughs) 
But I, I would say that what makes me me is who I am to people in the sense that like how I, how I make them feel, how I feel about myself, the work that I put out, the work that I put out, I would say, and, you know, it, it was, it's such a dream experience because, you know, 15 years ago, I would never have got to be published in over 60 different magazines and Forbes and Nylon, Vogue, L'Officiel, and have my billboards with my work, you know, showcased. And actually it doesn't matter to me about my name being there because a lot of the work that we do is not necessarily, you know, you're showcased. Um, but it's a about, wow, I'm making an impact. People are seeing my work. People are seeing the work of these 20 girls that, you know, started off having a dream and then they ended up, you know, creating this network and now have come up with several companies and are leading um, film festivals in LA and are leading um, these immersive interactive experiences. Um, so it's, it's definitely been a really interesting place to figuring out my identity. But what I've, what I've noticed is, is that it is what I do, what I say, what I breathe, who I am. And, you know, I'm someone who is not that much into makeup, but I'm always going to have a crazy outfit on. And that's just who I am. And I'm not really going to do my hair, but I'm going to always have a crazy outfit and that's okay. And I think when people do, when people are just themselves and they love themselves and they're super confident. I think that's your, your best self is when you are happy with who you are and you're proud of who you are and you get to share that with the world. And that's what I really want with these programs that I'm doing, with these internships, um, with these interns that I have. Um, I, I want them to feel like they can walk into any room and they can be super special and they can shine by just being themselves. So you realize, Hilaria, that you are a fixer by nature. Mm -hmm. So how do you avoid being a fixer these days without it getting you in trouble? Because it can't be a dangerous space. I would say that, yes, uh, fixing is definitely another issue, I would say, that I, I've gone through and a lot of women have probably experienced. And it's all about, you know, kind of trying to stabilize something that you would otherwise, you know, consider as uh, unstable. You're always trying to make things right. You always want people to feel okay. Um, and the issue with that is that you are deterring from, from actually doing the work, the work that is fixing yourself. And by fixing yourself, I don't mean actually fixing yourself because th there's nothing really to fix. We're not robots. You know, we can't just turn on and off a switch. It's not going to work like that, but doing things that make you feel better, that improve upon, you know, your just daily existence in life. Um, and I think that so oftentimes I had chosen a project, chosen a person, you know, because I was afraid. I was afraid of doing the work, going inside of myself and seeing, okay, this is the reality of the situation. This is what you don't like about who you are. This is what you keep seeing as a pattern, an unhealthy pattern. You know, I was trying to get away from that by distracting myself with other people. And of course, yes, I do love other people. I am someone who is going to want to run over and help if I can. But I went inward. And that was the moment of discovery and realization. That was when I was able to figure out, okay, let me look at my past. And then let me look at my future. And let me play those tapes. Let me see what happens if I continue going on the course that I was going, as opposed to actually 
looking inside and saying, okay, this is not working so well, but this works really well. How can I bridge this? You know? And um, I, I think that that was, that was very important for me to do. I think as women, we always have these crazy jobs. You know, we have to do a million things at once. And on top of that, we're supposed to deliver babies. And on top of that, we're supposed to, you know, solve the world's issues because we are the, you know, we're the feeling ones. Right. And I think that sometimes you have to take time out of your life to quite literally focus on you and see what can you do for you. And then once you have that information, once you've actually done the work on yourself, then you can start doing the work with other people and sharing and much like what you do in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have one more place I want to go before we wrap up our interview. And this is about self-talk. So you tend to have positive self-talk these days, but that wasn't always the case for you you would bounce around between negative and positive self-talk. Is there a system that you use today to keep yourself in that or to call yourself when you start to drift into that negative self-talk? What do you do? The one thing I love to do is I like to write down, even if it's in your phone or wherever, I love to write down my accomplishments. Sometimes it's as simple as things that happened that day, that week, things that I never thought that could happen. You know, just like even on my birthday, I found out I was getting published in paper magazine. And that's always been a publication that I really respect and I admire and I love. And I think they do things that are both um, entertainment, fashion and culture, but also total art. And that was really exciting. And usually an old me would have just, you know, okay, that happened on to the next thing. How many more things can I do? You know? And instead I really took a moment and I said, wow, you know, a few years ago, this was just a dream and now it's happening. Um, but with negative self-talk, I really notice as soon as something starts happening and, and there's a little dark voice, cause you know, we have these two wolves inside of us and we always are feeding one or the other, or both. And we have to choose, right? And so when that happens, I will take a moment and I will repeat in my head, I have mantras. I do have several mantras and I will repeat those mantras and they're positive mantras. And it's funny because I told people to go talk into the mirror and tell themselves all these nice things that they notice about themselves. And they're like, wait, what? That's so strange. And it's funny because to me, I've been doing it for so long that... (laughs) I think it's normal. Um, But I think that's important. I think it's really important to look at yourself and take away everything that the world, you think the world sees in you and just really strip yourself down and just look into your eyes at yourself and realize you are amazing. You know, anyone could have been born, but you were born in this time at this moment and you're doing this and you have this time now to do whatever it is you want you know, whatever it is you want. And so I think that sometimes I like to ground myself. I'm someone who needs a physical thing, the tangible. So I do have a tendency to touch things. That's my, that's another thing that I do. I always have to have, uh, you know, because I do have a tendency to be in the cloud. So I have to always have one foot in the ground. Um, But I, I ground myself. I touch things. I will look at my inspirational album, which I have. I have these various albums, you know, similar to when back in the days we were always on Pinterest and, uh, you know, well, we're still on Pinterest, but I'll look at these images that inspire me. I'll open up a book of a really incredible contemporary artist who I admire and I'll, I'll look at that and I'll see the possibility. And then I'll also talk to myself and give myself the love that I deserve. 
you know, and I, I do, I do really think that's important. So negative self-talk, you need to throw it out the window. I really don't suggest it. I think for, for so many people, when they're competitive, like I, I was raised very competitive. I think you think you have to have someone kind of breaking you down or someone kind of, you know, saying, okay, you can't do this in order to do it. But no, you can just replace that with so much. You, you can replace that with the knowledge that you can do it because guess what? Someone's done it or you're going to do it. That's actually a way of loving yourself a little more healthily, isn't it? As opposed to, because when we tear ourselves down, that's not really loving ourselves at all. And it certainly is not healthy. So, Alaria, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Um, Well, what I would say is I think that motivation and focus is something that's really important. And if you haven't found your purpose yet or your mission, that's okay. Make it about whatever you're doing in that moment and really perfect it, really put love into it. You know, it's like you hear the old adage of, you know, the mother who puts so much love into her cooking and everyone tastes it. Right. So it's like, maybe you're not at your perfect dream job, or maybe you're not in your perfect ideal situation, but make it a heaven, make it important enough to you that when something comes along that triggers you or inspires you, you can grab hold of it. And you're not in this dark, ditch of a place and that you actually have the energy to fuel it. Because if you can get through something that is not your ideal, then wow, what can you do when you have the perfect circumstances, the perfect situation? So I think definitely for me, it's always been hope is so important. Focus and drive is so important. And if you don't have it, you got to find some. life and in the world and in the people that you meet because there are so many amazing stories. Um, so I think that's that's something that's really important. And I think that is beautiful, beautiful wisdom to end our interview on. And I love your advice that you're finishing this off with to be present in where you are and celebrate that and be the best you can there. Because if you're, you're right, if you can move through that, then when the ideal situation comes, it's going to be amazing, isn't it? Alaria, you have been wonderful. You are on such a wonderful career path. I cannot wait to see your name on all the screens across my TV as being the, the director and producer of such and such film. And, uh, and thank you for sharing the wisdom that you have already uncovered at such a young age. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Annette. I really appreciate it. And Alaria is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds. 